Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. Welcome everybody to Asian Pop Nation. My name is Leisha, the executive producer of APN. And before we start talking about all the amazing topics that our whole team is going to be chatting about this episode, let's talk through these songs that we just played. Starting first with the song called Ondo by Bronze with Lee High, which comes from Bronze's new EP called Skyline. We then also played the song titled Spinning World by Japanese girl group Perfume, both in a very fun, almost city pop genre. So hope you guys enjoyed those two tracks. And once again, welcome to this episode of APN. If you've been a longtime listener of APN throughout this year, this may be a unfamiliar voice or maybe a voice that you haven't heard in a long time. Well, again, I am back from my trip to Malaysia, which means I am now fully back to being the captain of this show, if you will. But of course, I would like to say thank you to our APNT member, JP, for temporarily holding this role for me for the time that I was gone. And speaking of our APN team, we've got loads of topics tonight that our team of Lee, Tracy, Xenia, Aaron, Ethan, and JP were just butting, not butting heads, but like having very intellectual conversations about, if I do say so myself. We, of course, have a lot of conversations revolving around the growing amount of AI idols in the K-pop industry. We also have conversations about festivals going on in Sydney, like the Halu Pop Fest and the Smash Anime Convention. Loads of topics about lo-fi girl, but also... I cannot forget because saving the best for loss, we have a fantastic interview with the one and only local The Neighbor, which so excited for you guys to hear and will be coming up right after these next few songs that we're going to be playing. So sit back and enjoy the show, if you will. So starting up, we have the song called Sparkling by Chung Ha. Honestly, been on repeat for me personally, this whole like week in a bit and yeah stay tuned right here on asian pop nation hello hello and welcome to asian pop nation the ultimate sin hub for all things asian pop culture related and more you were just listening to three tracks first coming from chungha with her latest song titled sparkling a fantastic track by the way we also have a, another fantastic track by edie called starlight before ending our trio of songs with the song titled david by no so which comes from their debut album titled Stay Proud of Me. And speaking of the name David, this is definitely the perfect segue to introduce you guys to a very special artist that we have had the pleasure of interviewing today who also has the name David. But you would definitely know him tonight as Local The Neighbor. He is a fantastic artist coming from Darwin to now Melbourne and now to our APN virtual studio to talk all about his latest suiting and kind of nostalgic single called Point God. So definitely put your hands together as we chat with the one and only Local The Neighbor. 
Hey, you're listening to Bisha here from Asian Pop Nation. And actually, we are here with a very, very special guest who I dare to say has become a recent favorite of ours this month. And he comes to us in our little virtual studio to talk about his latest single called Point Guard. And of course, so much more. So right here, right now, we have Local the Neighbor here. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having me. Hi, wow. how are you going? I'm good. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, we we're just we we're just complaining about how cold it is. Yeah, I know. Doing very good, like typical small talk things about the weather. But you know, again, it's winter. It's the perfect like bonding, yeah. bonding combo of just complaining the weather, but also being like, <laughs> at least I prefer this than summer. Sorry to the summer fan listeners out there, but no, we're both in agreement. We're totally both. It's funny because we're both from like very tropical areas. So yes. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, we had like a whole thing about how people assume that like, because you come from tropical climate, you just prefer it by default. And it's like, no, no, no. you're mistaking my whole persona as a tropical fan. Yeah, hard no. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, before we, we can continue to just become a weather radio show, I of course want to focus that we are on Asian Foundation and welcome to our show. And for our listeners, could you tell us a little bit about yourself give us a little elevator pitch moment oh my god (laughs) (laughs) um yeah well uh my name's david and i'm a taiwanese australian musician uh living in melbourne i originally am from darwin um but i also grew up in a bunch of different places around australia uh when i was a kid and yeah i make and record music under the name local the neighbor and we've well i have uh released two singles so yeah yes and they're all again not to uh throw like all these bunch of compliments like all over the place but those two singles are already 11 out of 10 in the apn books <laughs> by the way <laughs> not oh, just by you. me but the rest of our team as well when we were like presented with this opportunity so you got our thumbs up up here oh, but <laughs> thank you ah oh, yeah. <laughs> but yes before we i guess dive straight into uh, your latest single point guard i actually would love to like find out more i guess the man <laughs> behind the music and kind of ask this question because again you mentioned that your real name is david and i was very curious about the story behind your artist name local the neighbor kind of like where did that name come from and why you decided to go with that name as like your artist's name? Yeah, well, I guess the when I realized I wanted to do this, coming up with the name was just something I knew I would do. Like I've grown up playing in bands mm-hmm. all my life. So, and every time when you start a band, like the first thing everyone talks about is like, what are we called? You know, so I was like, well, that's just something natural that I wanted to, to kind of come up with. And I guess I just had a bunch of sort of, like I sort of had a feeling that I wanted to go for and was like, had a bit of a list of words that I thought kind of captured that and was trying different things and local the neighbor just kind of happened and I sat on it for a day and I was like you know what it's good enough let's just do it and then um you know I'll I'll get used to it if I don't like it but I I, yeah I'm pretty happy with the name you know it feels like it really encapsulates what I um, want the project to be and it's a good name to represent everything I think Mm, and you said like you actually had like a selection of other names and I guess you were kind of like piecing them together I'm very curious if you had like if that was another name option like one that came close like second place before local the neighbor was born yeah that's a good question 
I don't, I can't, I can't even remember any now. I just remember I wanted the name neighbor in there, the <laughs> word neighbor. And I was trying to build around that. And, and I, I can't really remember what it was. I reckon this might not be true, but I reckon friendly neighbor would have been thrown in and I would, I would have been like, that's too Spider-Man and just. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I'm like neighbor, neighborhood and everything's very reminiscent yeah. of like Spider-Man, one of the best superheroes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Unless you have a different favorite superhero. <laughs> no. I, I mean, I don't know if I have a favorite superhero, but I just rem- I, I reckon things like I would just be trying words and trying to kind of piece it together and whatever felt right, I would be like, okay, cool. Um, but maybe that just means Local the Neighbor was, was a good one if I can't remember any of the other names. It's just um, the perfect one. Just meant to be. Actually rolls off the tongue like really well as well, not gonna lie. So you made a very good yeah. choice. <laughs> I have to say my girlfriend mm-hmm. had the idea to put the the in the middle, which I was really into. And yeah. we were pretty- we would chat and bre- like she would help me brainstorm and yeah it was a, it was a good call yeah like a major thumbs up too not just your very good friend as well nice and <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i guess in the vein of like going into this origin story moment i'm very curious about how like where did your interest in music come from where did it start in the first place yeah well i think it was probably always there like i remember being really young and my dad had a big sound system in the kitchen and he would cook dinner and it would be blasting whenever he would cook and he'd just listen to like the Beatles and all these different things and so it was always sort of on in the house and then we would have family friends and for some reason they were musical and I just had a a big interest in it from a young age but I never I always wanted to play an instrument but I never really did it until I started playing drums at 13 and um, that was probably the first instrument I started playing properly and but in saying that, before then, my mom did force me to play piano, which I ah uh, the very quintessential like oh man textbook yeah, <laughs> example it. of every Asian <laughs> child's upbringing. <laughs> yeah, I I've been there. So uh, I think maybe I would have been seven, and and I had to go to these piano lessons, and I, it quickly stopped. I think I think I kicked <laughs> the bus loud enough to be like, "This is the worst." Like, there's no bands with piano, like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, and I did play, uh, guitar in primary school as well, but that, I don't know, I I wouldn't say I'm a guitarist at all. Just like didn't stick. And then like, I guess drumming was like the calling, ultimate calling type of thing for you. Yeah. I think what happened was though, I wanted to be a guitarist really bad. Mm. And so I went to primary school in rural Queensland. So Mm. that's where I grew up in for most of primary school and then later on I moved to Darwin with my family and I did all my high school in there and when I was in Queensland I really wanted to do guitar and I was doing that a lot and then when I moved the school I went to everyone was a guitarist and I was like oh no this is awful like I can't like and then like no no one could start a band because everyone played guitar I was like all right that's it like I can kind of play the drums I'm just going to do it. And then I was like, all right, I'll take one for the team. I'm going to play drums in the band. And it stuck, you know, like I kind of just like was like, oh, this is fun. You know, you're like a 13 year old kid and you're like, you can hit something pretty hard and and it's fun. And so I guess it just stuck, you know. Mm-hmm. And it feels like you're really letting off, like at least from videos I see when people playing drums and stuff, it's really like you're letting off a lot of steam or something. I don't know. <laughs> it, feels so, it feels so like, I don't know. It feels so rigorating. And it's like, especially if you're like a teenager, I feel like there's a lot of teenager angst, especially yeah. You're like so an Asian teenager. teenager. <laughs> if you've got a lot of angst as a teenager, you should just play the drums and you'll have like no angst or something afterwards. Or maybe you'll get more angst. I don't know. <laughs> 
don't take our word for it, but give drumming a try. <laughs> right, yeah, great therapy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like I did a little research and thing, and I did see that you were a drummer, but it specifically always mentioned you as like a jazz drummer, and right, yeah. yeah, and like. I guess where does like jazz come into play? Because your current, I guess, music as local the neighbor is much more in the indie, I guess, indie rock type yeah. of genre. So where where does like the shift come, or or is there not even really a shift? It's like you're trying to combine the two. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I I probably wouldn't say there's a shift necessarily in like what I'm trying to do musically. Mm-hmm. I think there was a shift in what I was into. But yeah, basically in high school, I really, you know, I really liked the drums, and I was playing in like rock bands and mm-hmm. and pop bands and indie bands, and that was my thing. And I wanted to move like down south, I guess, because from Darwin, everything's down south to like study music or or just pursue music. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way, I guess, was to to do it in a in a university. So I sort of realized that a lot of music schools didn't offer like drum kit if that was your instrument, because like if you do classical. You would be playing timpani and like a bunch of percussion. It's not really like the drum set. Mm. So I'd never done anything like that. So I had kind of no idea. Um, and it just I was like, well, that's not what I play. So I realized jazz doing a jazz course was the only one which had like a the actual drum kit was your primary focus if that's your instrument. So I kind of just was like, okay, well, I better learn jazz to try and get into this course. So I kind of did that, which is kind of a whole nother story that journey. But thankfully, I got in and went to jazz school in Melbourne mm-hmm. at the VCA, and yeah, that kind of journey started, and I, I definitely like really fell in love with it for quite a while throughout that course. And for a while, I I was in the mindset. Instead of like, well, I guess I'm going to be a jazz drummer. You know, I was doing that and I was starting to play with a lot of my lecturers. Like I was playing Mm. with teachers and stuff like that and and getting gigs doing that. And it was was really fun. But I sort of, I guess I had a, um, I think when you get to like your 20s, like when you start venturing into your 20s more, you realize you like reassess what you're doing and you're like, huh, is this the kind of thing I actually want to be doing? Or is it like Mm -hmm. I've fallen into it? And um, there were a couple moments where I realized that maybe it wasn't what I wanted to be doing it was just like it was just going really well I thought and it was like oh I'll just keep on going but I wasn't really listening to jazz that much anymore and I was kind of just playing it and I felt um I actually did a trip to um the U.S. and lived in um Los Angeles for a couple months doing like study abroad (laughs) yeah yeah it was amazing so I was at UCLA for like seven months Mm. um and I was studying jazz there and I was just like I met a lot of my heroes the jazz heroes and I was like well this feels like um they were just so passionate about it and so focused on it where I sort of realized that if I wanted to sort of really pursue that world it would maybe mean I I wouldn't have time to kind of play in like the rock bands and be Mm. in that world and kind of do a lot of the musical things that I I also love. Mm. So I just felt like a bit torn between it. And in the end, it just felt like the right thing for me was to kind of pursue or start start allowing myself to make other music and, mm. and not, not be just a jazz jazz guy, you know? Jazz guy. <laughs> no, that's really admirable, though, because I feel like, again, like what you say, people in their, like, 20s especially, or, like, just young adults in general, especially with Asian upbringing, you kind of grow up being told that there's only, like, 
one linear, like one path to get the like point A, point B type of thing. And you just have to stick with like that particular interest or stuff in the rest of life and completely ignoring the fact that people grow, people change, you you start seeing other interests and stuff like that. And you realize like, hey, I want to do more than just like one thing, you know, for yeah. life. So it's very like, no, it's like seriously very admirable on your part to like <laughs> actually recognize that. And then now you're doing this, becoming like local the neighbor and realizing I want to be like my own artist and creating my own music in in genres that make me feel like happy and that I actually really like care about. So that's like really, yeah. that's really good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, to be honest, it's interesting because like it is a very Asian thing to kind of have that one like trajectory. Mm. Um, But in saying that, I definitely think my mom was like would have helped me nudge across Mm. because I think I think she's very like she has a lot of interests as well. So she would she definitely there was there was a while where it helped where she was like she was sort of confused. I wasn't making my own music for a while. Mm. Really? And, And that made me think like, oh, yeah, like maybe I should be like that sort of like she was like, oh, why aren't you? doing it you're already doing it you know like on your own just Mm. not like it's just like a fun like and you're just doing it for fun so why why don't you do it and I was like yeah true you know so yeah it's pretty um yeah it is it's a strange journey sometimes (laughs) yeah but like I mean look at you now you are here (laughs) you are reading your own music my god again crazy like even like picture it and I'm very like curious with making this like shift as well. What kind of interesting, I guess, observations. I don't necessarily want to use the word differences. So maybe just like general interesting observations you notice between these two like kind of different worlds and like music wise, like being purely in jazz drummer world and now in like solo artist realm. Like yeah, is yeah. is there more like a sense of community with one side, maybe more like diversity present? I, I don't know. I'm very like curious about that. Yeah. No, that's a really good question because I reckon there's a huge difference. Mm. Not going to lie, at the start when I was doing this, a part of me was like, whoa, I'm about to experience the other side now, mm. you know, like, and I was curious to know what that felt like. Because this is the first time I've, I'm kind of pulling all the creative aspects and it's my music and in, in all the recordings, it's it's basically always me playing like all the instruments. Mm. Um, whereas prior to that, if I was working, I would be probably just drumming really. And you're sort of there, like people ask you to play in their project and you're there to like, I guess, do a job. As as grim as that sound, I mean, you're not really doing a job. You're still playing music and it's still awesome. But mm. it's like they'll come to you and it's their music and they're asking you to play on their song. And it's sort of your job is to just get what they want I guess you know like Mm. their vision and of course you can suggest things of like oh I feel like we should try this and then you know they might like Mm. it you go off with that but it is definitely like you're serving the composer's idea and it's like their vision you're like one of like the foot soldiers trying to like help them get their vision to where they want it and I guess you just have different kind of motives in that situation you know you're like you kind of put your taste to the side and then you try and put yourself in their shoes and I think that's the main one whereas in local the neighbor I'm just like rogue like I'm just like a wild card (laughs) of being like whoa I can do whatever I want and no one can tell me any different and um you know which is kind of awesome and then sometimes it's bad because you just Mm. end up like having so many ideas and you're like I don't know what to do anymore like I will like produce a song and I'll like head into a direction and you just kind of like lose yourself in this tangent Mm. like hang on 
I'm just gonna delete everything and start again now. Oh my you know, god! Like, How do you like keep yourself motivated or like keep yourself in check? I guess since you are kind of like you are your own like manager and everything. Thing. <laughs> yeah, I've loved it just because I've only done like the collaborative thing for so long. You know, I've been、mm. playing music. You know, since I was before I was a teenager, I guess, and it's always been collaborative. Like I've always been sort of like a member of the band, and there's always other input. Mm. So I'm really used to that, and I love it a lot. But then being able to do something different is quite refreshing, and it it also makes me feel like when I go back into a collaborative sense, it feels it actually it it balances out. I feel、mm. out both, but I kind of just enjoy the chaos of it. To be honest, <laughs> it's like、um, there is chaos, but I think if you if you kind of just give into it, it's quite fun. But it just means it takes a long time to get things done sometimes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely I've had a lot of fun doing it.、Mm. Yeah, and I love hearing again your like evolution story type of thing about like now being local, the neighbor, and like again having like a full brand to yourself and everything. And I guess on this note, we're gonna talk a little bit about your new single, Point God. And I would love for you to tell us a bit about like what does it mean. Yeah. Oh, I'm so bad at this, but、uh, <laughs> it's basically about. I guess it's about my girlfriend, or just about people you love,、um, and sort of saying that you feel、um, you feel yourself around them, and you're grateful for that, and and how much you appreciate that. But yeah, that's hopefully that sums it up. But <laughs> it's actually a funny thing because I've had、mm-hmm. to try and explain this song a number of times, and there was there was an article in the Guardian which came out about、mm. the song. And the guy, the guy who wrote it, summed it up like in two sentences better than I ever will. Oh my god! I've been like so envious of that. Do you like, remember how he said it specifically, or like? No, I don't even. That that's the thing. I can't even remember. But I remember reading it, being like, ah, damn it, this guy is like better than me at talking about my own song.、Um, It's okay. He's he's like a journalist. It's like his job. It's yeah, okay. You are the、that's、artist. <laughs> I was so bummed when I read, read it. I was like, "Oh man, this guy just summed it up better than me,、um, than I could ever do it."、Um, yeah, I'll have to just memorize what he says and just regurgitate it every time. <laughs> But <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, no, that like the song. I think you also have a music video with the song, by the way, Point Guy.、Oh, yeah. And I think yeah, I think the video in complement with the song, I think perfectly illustrates this like. Message everything you like that you're talking about. You know, it's the music、yeah. video, by the way. So wholesome, so cute. I love the little like karaoke type of editing thing. You can like follow,、yeah. follow sing along. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Which I actually heard is like made entirely by yourself and your girlfriend. So、yeah. I'm very curious if you have any like memorable moments while like filming the video. Um. Yeah. I mean, lots of it was kind of fun. Like that's just like how that's our neighborhood. You know that. That's just our yeah. suburb, <laughs> Ooh, and we kind of just. <laughs> but yeah, that's just where that's our suburb, and we we just kind of went out and and shot and took the dog out for a walk, and his name his name's Barnaby, so we took Barnaby out、mm. for a walk and and just shot it, and yeah, it was really fun. And then part of it was shot when when we were on holidays in Queensland visiting family, so、um. some of it's there as well. There's a bit of both, but I think one of the most memorable moments was probably just getting the camera because、mm. it was a gift, and I remember as soon as I. Opened it up. That was like one of the first things. Like, well, that's just got to happen, you know. Like, I had the song. I knew the song was going to come out next, and I and I was like, well, 
we need a music video. Like, guess we're gonna yeah, let's just do it. Like, and it's so like, nice. The camera also helps me like very gives a very like nostalgic vibe and everything. And yeah. it's just like, and it's so nice. Again, I just feel like all encapsulates so well with oh my god, <laughs> ah, such a good song. Oh my god, crazy listener. If you're not convinced by now, literally listen to the song. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm stoked with how it turned out like because it's film so yeah so if people don't know it was shot on a super 8 camera mm. um which is like it uses rolls of film so you kind of just don't know what you're shooting and you don't know what you get until you have it developed oh so, yeah so that's one of the things so we were kind of like you know there's like a viewfinder or whatever mm. so you look out of the camera and you can see what you're shooting but um as far as the end product you just have no idea until you get it back from the developing people so i remember like waiting i think it was like a three-week wait and i was like oh my gosh it could just be useless you know it could just be <laughs> awful um and there was a moment where the the guy who develops it scared me and was like oh is is this meter working in the camera and i was like i i don't even know what that is like i, I <laughs> you like, tell I, me I, sir oh. <laughs> yeah, i have no idea what that is and he was like well if it's not working then your film's not gonna work and i was like oh my god <laughs> like, why would you just tell me this information yeah, right now? <laughs> yeah and i was like i was just like frantically googling and i was like what is this and i was like <laughs> looking at my camera being like where is this <laughs> Um, and thankfully I got it back and everything was there, but there was like definitely a moment of just like panic being like, oh, I guess it's gone. Like, I guess it just didn't work. Um, but thankfully, thankfully it did. Thankfully. And we have now a fantastic video, which everyone should watch. It's so nice. So wholesome. And yeah, my God, that like, what did that whole story gave me? I felt like I was also in that moment explaining it. I was like, oh my God, this is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) that's great i i definitely say that i feel like the song like i want the song as much as it's sort of like personal to me and it's Mm. like um like i'm saying things like it talks about things that are maybe like very specific to me Mm. but i feel like they're specific but they're also broad enough where it's like i feel like a lot of people would maybe be feeling similar feelings to that Mm. and it's like just in their own different way. So I like to kind of like when people ask me about it, I like to just say it's sort of just about the person you you really love and and can can find in, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really sweet. And like really beautiful. I feel losing very well to a very curious question I have in terms of future projects you might have past um point gone and stuff like that, like an EP or maybe an album. And in terms of like if you maybe I don't know if you're creating one right now and I'm just like um, yeah. I'm just like ooh genius me but I'm just like if if you were like had the chance of like creating EP or like an album would you say that that is kind of like the kind of stories that you want to continue to tell when you have like a fuller body of work or maybe you want to like with a full body fuller body of work you want to like go completely left field into like a whole different territory or something yeah that's a really good question well spoiler alert i would say i'm working on ep number two at the moment oh so that's a bit of a yeah a bit of a shock maybe (gasps) Um, oh yeah Um, or maybe it's not a shock i don't know but yeah so i'm definitely working on a bunch of stuff at the moment um And I would say it's been interesting because, yeah, you're right. So we only, I've only got two songs out at the moment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when we play a show, it's obviously a lot longer and there's more songs 
that people haven't heard. And people are definitely like, whoa, it is like, if you listen to the music and then you see the show, they're like, oh, we, it's similar, but it's also like, there's a bit more range. So it does sort of change. But I definitely going into all of this, I guess musically, maybe they're a bit brighter and I like this, you know, there's some, there's some slower songs, you know, <laughs> there's some slower songs in there. And I think for me, I'd really like to write music, which has a good representation of like how I feel in life. So I like it when I can sing those songs and I can sing about like, you know, cause sometimes I'm like really happy and mm. everything's awesome. You know, mm-hmm. like literally I'm living in like the Lego movie and I'm singing that song. <laughs> No, like I'm so into it. Like everything is great. And then other days, you know, you're you're quite down or whatever. Mm. You know, the world, there's definitely horrible things happening in the world. You can get bogged down in that. And there's stories you hear of people's lives and you're like, oh, this is awful. Um, or you might be going through something. So I think for me, the goal with a lot of this is to kind of just like have that spectrum of mm. those themes is to be able to kind of like have those things which we celebrate and then also be, be okay to like acknowledge maybe the, the sadder darker things and Mm. I think that's definitely where my head's at with making a lot of this music is like those things yeah also just sometimes life is stupid so there's got to (laughs) be stupid songs in there of course Um, hopefully 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 those come out but I I definitely think um for me personally like I really love artists it feels like some artists like they specialize in like they just write love songs or something Mm. or they just write songs where like they're like pretty depressed and I'm Mm. like oh yeah that's great but I just don't think I'm that kind of um artist to be kind of just in that one emotion I feel like I feel a lot of different things often so hopefully I can kind of have that broad thing yeah and i i for one am very excited to hear of all these like future projects and songs you're gonna be coming out with and like just excited to see you as an artist building your whole image up and it's just like oh so excited like i can't wait and i guess this is a very good note to end our little special conversation with you thank you so much for joining myself by the way to talk about literally all things local to neighbor related and i guess on a final note where can our listeners find you just plug like everything under the sun <laughs> oh my gosh okay oh. well I, yeah go okay i'm i'm definitely on instagram yes. uh i'm on i think yeah i should be on facebook you know what and i think i have a tiktok but i haven't posted anything yet but i oh. will i will i'm gonna get on it i'll i'll do it but i think that's that's it. And then I'm, you know, you can hear my music on on everything you need to, you know, Spotify, Apple, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's yeah. all the title. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's me. You can and then you can, you know, I'll I'll be posting about shows coming up. So you can always find Yo, let's go. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> go. Um, so yeah, there's some local navy shows coming up um in a couple of weeks. There'll be a couple. So, you know, you can find come say hello come say hello yeah oh my god and i guess on that thank you so much for oh, thank you for having me. me you're a legend thank you <laughs> oh my god hey you're listening to asia pop nation here on sin my name is Lisha, and if you're just tuning into our show right now we just played three songs which all came from taiwanese artists we first played this song titled point guard by australian taiwanese artist local the neighbor who we've had the absolute pleasure of interviewing earlier in the show if you want to check out that interview be sure to listen in to our asia pop nation podcast available on spotify google Podcasts, apple Podcasts. you literally name it <laughs> We then also played the song titled Little Balcony by Sunset Roller Coaster before ending things off with the song titled Yotsu Girl by Vuva. 
Now, I guess on the similar vein of the title, we're going to be talking about Lo-Fi Girl, a name that you guys definitely might be familiar with if you're quite a studious type or you just love to listen to music playlists online. And maybe you might also be familiar with the sudden disappearance of Lo-Fi Girl over the week. And we at APN want to give our own anecdotes with Lo-Fi Girl and just detailing kind of what happened and the whole aftermath about this whole Lo-Fi Girl situation. So let's tune in right now. So I was just like scrolling around the internet as I guess most people do nowadays. And I saw this very interesting news that last week there was a disappearance of a very very um well-loved music channel on youtube called lo-fi girl after pretty much their most popular streams were just suddenly taken down due to false copyright strikes so lo-fi girl is a very popular youtube channel over 10 million subscribers and pretty much the whole channel's existence is creating lo-fi music compilations through videos and most famously their streams they have the really really popular stream of that one like anime girl studying in her desk and it's just like a video loop with the title called like lo-fi hip-hop radio beats to relax slash study to you probably might see it around the internet um, and you wouldn't be the only one since that stream alone has like 60, 668 million views. Um, yeah. <laughs> so with a YouTube channel and like streams that are this popular and have a very strong like, I guess, presence on current day internet world, it was kind of a big shock that the Lo-Fi Girl Twitter account announced that all of their Lo-Fi radios could no longer be played on YouTube because of false copyright strikes, which are issued by, and my heart breaks when I have to say this because I feel like I am betraying the motherland, <laughs> <laughs> along with my fellow 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 friend here, Lee, another fellow Malaysian. How many, how many times can I say the word fellow? But, but yes. Um, the copyright strikes were issued by dun dun dun, a Malaysian music company. Yikes! Yikes! Big yikes by the two of us. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be. Couldn't be us. We only run a little cute radio show in Melbourne. We do not run a, a big, massive Malaysian corporation. But yes, this Malaysian music company called FMC Music Sundria Bahad Malaysia. They you got the BM of it here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I got a flex that I know a bit. <laughs> but yes, anyways, this is serious stuff, Lee. We shouldn't be laughing because right. you know, you know why this one devastating. copy. It's devastating because one copy strike on YouTube pretty much causes like a whole tally that you can like, like YouTube is keeping count. So if you start receiving more than one, your entire channel is just permanently gone forever on the platform. Which, like, if you're a fan of having Lo-Fi Girl being played while you're studying and stuff, it's like what <laughs> you know in the most tragic heartbreaking way possible but yes um fear not though as on monday 11th of july youtube themselves kind of i would say fixed the whole problem i say fixed with quotations because they did confirm that the takedown requests were abusive and have since terminated the account that um made those copyright strikes in the first place they also withdrew the copyright strikes that were issued in the beginning to lo-fi girl um and have stated that they've reinstated the videos but when i checked them the original youtube videos live streams are still not available at the time of this recording maybe they are available by now but 
um, the Lo-Fi Girl YouTube channel has created new streams, which essentially is like the same name, has the same anime girl. So you guys can calm down and keep cosplaying that Lo-Fi Hip Hop Anime Girl all you want. What What do you think <laughs> about this whole um this whole thing that happened? I got I got no words. Well, I haven't listened to Lo-Fi Girl since high school. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> I thought people like when. Whenever I look through, you know, people talking about how big of a breaking news this is, it's because people regularly use Lo-Fi Girl for like any sort of studying or I guess relaxation that people want to have. So yeah. I was very surprised that I uh, yeah. For in like high school, every time I would study, this girl was my best friend. <laughs> I would look up to her. Uh, more than like, me? Are you uh, studying? Uh yeah, obviously. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my so, yeah, god. To hear like lo-fi girl's name such a throwback and also kind of devastating that she was gone she mm. kept me company like many years but yeah she's back i think yes yes but she is back well. yes she is back so it's like save your tears guys um we're, we're like reporting this news but it's like don't worry it's she's not actually gone we're just pranking you welcome to apm we're pranksters now but um <laughs> one thing that i found really interesting was Truda's website called malaysia kini they actually got like a spokesperson from fmc music um and this spokesperson essentially said the reason why this whole thing even happened in the first place was allegedly their company's youtube account was hacked over the long weekend in malaysia and 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 because nobody was at work during this time so they also were in big like shock when this happened essentially and apparently they've since made a report to google and also added the reason that they would not have any reason to file a copyright claim because fnc music produces malay pop music and nothing to do with lo-fi the lo-fi genre in general um so what do you think about that lee based first of all also, yeah, I was like, why would a Malaysian music <laughs> company <laughs> file a copyright strike on Lo-Fi Girl? Like, I know, it really comes, sense. It, it just comes out of like nowhere. And I mean, I guess that reasoning does explain whether or not they actually got hacked or not. I'm like, hmm. Sus. I don't know. I, I think the, the main thing that we learned from this news story, fundamentally, we had a bit of a scare where we thought Lo-Fi Girl was being taken away from us forever. But along the way, we also let how much Lo-Fi Girl means to us. Mm, you're so right. Lo-Fi Girl was also like a big part of my high school and uni experience. I just remember people would just like um, find empty classrooms and just play Lo-Fi Girl on the screen. Oh my God. And they just like chill out and do and study and stuff inside. And they were like, yeah. I, I didn't know. That's like a good memory from high school that I have. I don't have a lot of good memories from high school, but that's oh. one of them. <laughs> it's so interesting, though, because, yeah, like, you're pretty much quite similar to Lee as well, when she mentioned it's like, oh, Lo-Fi Girl's been my ride or die throughout my high school and, like, uni as well. Pretty much any point where you have to be studying, oh, we love studying. But um, for <laughs> me, I'm just like, I only really know Lo-Fi Girl because particularly with how iconic that video loop is of that anime girl studying while the stream is like going on forever you know yep. yeah it's very reassuring like it's always there and mm-hmm. it's always chill 
and she's always studying, which I guess maybe <laughs> is this what my Asian parents wanted me to be like? Sorry, disappointed. I'm just shaking my head because of the unrealistic expectations that Lo-Fi Girl is actually. Gosh, they, maybe she should have been down, like <laughs> weight off our shoulders as the Asian community. <laughs> no, Lo-Fi Girl, though, I'm sure everybody misses you. And we're, I guess, glad to hear that you're back and running and will um, soothe many students for years to come. <laughs> But yeah, I guess if any of you listeners have some interesting personal experiences with Lo-Fi Girl, you know, maybe you're also like Lee and Tracy, where she has been your helping hand throughout your studying life in general, or maybe this whole situation didn't affect you so much. Do let us know about all of your opinions, True Asian Pop Nation, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hello there, it is me, Alicia, here from Asian Pop Nation. Gonna be talking you through all these songs that we just played right now, two of them being requests from our listener, Matthew. Thank you again. First, we played the song titled Mitakoto no Nai Kishiki A by Egg Princess. And the second song we played was from Tenshitsu Kino Kenu Yomi with their song titled Moonlight Serenade. We then also played a song coming in from Jip Wam with his new track titled Stranger Danger in the Streets of Life. He also recently announced that he's having a new LP titled Third, which is coming out on July 22nd. So be sure to keep that on your radar. Another thing that maybe you also want to keep in your radar is this new film that we're going to be talking about right now, which is actually based on a real-life cave rescue that occurred in Thailand a few years ago. So if you're very curious about what this film exactly entails, listen in to our discussion right now. Okay, so a trailer was recently released for an upcoming film which will be based on the real-life cave rescue that occurred back in 2018 in the Tamluang Cave in Thailand. So for those people that don't remember the incident, um, it was a rescue mission that went for 18 days with over 10,000 people um, putting all their efforts into saving uh, these people. These people being 12 young Thai soccer players and their coach who were trapped in the cave in a cave due to heavy rainfall that blocked any exit points. So that's literally the most terrifying thing ever. So this key event, it was obviously really big and it got two films. Uh, the first of them being in 2019, a Thai film titled The Cave. And the second being a 2021 documentary called The Rescue. This time, however, Amazon Studios and Metro Goldwyn Mayer have decided to team up to create their 2022 upcoming survival film based on this uh, case called uh, 13 Lives. So 13 Lives, which will be directed and produced by Ron Howard, stars actors Viggo Mortensen, Joel Edgerton, and Colin Farrell as members of a team of world-class divers who are tasked for this rescue mission. So the film also features Thai cinematographer Sayonbu Muktiprom to be in charge of cinematography, as well as several Thai actors like Sukun Lawat Kanarot, who will be playing Saman Kunan, a former Royal Thai Navy SEAL, who unfortunately died during the rescue back in 2018. So the 2022 movie will first be premiering in select theaters on July 29th before making its way to the streaming service Prime Video on August 5th. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm personally actually quite excited for this film. I think it's a pretty interesting case. I'm getting trapped in a cave. What a way to put that. <laughs> well, I mean, like, dude, it's terrifying, man. Like, it caves, is. caves are literally like I watched a video about some dude and his experience, like going through caves and stuff. 
through like a guided tour and straight up it's pitch black it's yeah. terrifying like you can't see anything and like the strange thing about caves right you go in through one way but then on the way back the place looks completely different but it's the same route i can see why you could kind of be interested in it but it's like I don't know, for me when it comes to stories like these where it's like based on a true story type of thing i usually prefer just watching like documentaries about it which this one does have one which is called the rescue apparently you can watch it on disney plus but um yeah i don't know because i always feel like when hollywood puts their little spin into these um real events that really occur they really like to do again it's like i don't know i feel kind of iffy about it because they always go with like a certain route of like the heroic tale of blah 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 and i don't know like hollywood just has its uh, well it's I, a formula that works unfortunately yeah, yeah and i mean I don't know. And also these actors, I mean, I don't, TBH, I don't know much about these actors' filmographies, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, For me personally, I would much rather watch that um, document documentary film that you mentioned earlier, and maybe even the Thai film. Um, so maybe I just don't want to watch this one because it's being, <laughs> I don't want to say, it, the director, I don't know this Ron Howard Wait, guy. Who is the director? Uh, uh Ron Howard. Ron Howard. He yeah, made Rush. Rush. The Rush. What's that? Yeah, Rush. Oh, that? The film oh, was a good one. based on a true story film. Oh, what was that movie about? Let I me forgot. Google. It's like a racing. It's about movie. a rivalry between two race drivers. Oh, so like and Top Gun. How can you not know their filmography? One of them was from Lord of the Rings. Viggo Mortensen. He doesn't really do many movies. Oh, I don't watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I've never watched Lord of the Rings in my life. <laughs> Don't kill me. <laughs> no, I won't kill you. I just will slowly murder you until you watch. Heavily <laughs> judge me for the rest it's just of my very life. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but um, good to know. Yay. <laughs> but I guess Zenya, what what do you think about this whole movie? Um, I think to be honest, my initial reaction is like, why is it all from the perspective of like the notable white actors? Literally, and as we talked about, I think off. Um, of Mike, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes more sense. The that's more interesting, but I don't know. It's like surely the Thai authorities had quite a bit of input as well, don't they? Have a perspective, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, all the local people as well. They mm-hmm. sort of exactly. rallied around and they mm-hmm. built up this temporary sort of campsite around the place to pump all the water out of the cave and stuff. It yeah, was an exactly. international operation, according to Wikipedia. So. Mm. Mm, yeah yeah that's what i read too it's like i guess that's probably their route as well of i guess justifying this casting choice because it did hit like international world news and there were a lot of several world organizations that kind of got involved in this because it did take like a really long time for all the the whole team to be rescued in the end of it but yeah i don't know i still feel like there would have been many 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 more like they could have been a more interesting more original take you know for anyone who was around at that time, we know what happened. Um, we just want to get like maybe a more insider view. Mm. Yeah. Hey, even on on, uh, on the side of um, the kids and the coach that were trapped in there, wasn't there, was didn't they do an interesting thing to stay alive in there? <laughs> no, Lee, you mentioned they meditated oh, off air. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, I think I remember them. Like the te- the coach taught them to meditate to. I guess calm themselves and um like not use as much oxygen because the cave was like fully enclosed like they had a limited supply of oxygen but yeah i think that's how they survived also it was like pitch black in the caves <laughs> as well 
Oh. Yeah, the coach was like a boy monk, like used to be yeah. a boy monk. So he knew how to do that. And also they dug, they managed to dig a hole. They were trying to dig their way out of the cave. And when they were found, there was like a five meter deep hole in the cave wall. And also some interesting side facts. So they did do stuff while they were in there. But yeah, I also, while you guys were talking, I was searching up the other movie that was mentioned, The Cave, which was like the 2019 Thai film. And that one seems to also went in the same route of um, the having the point of view being more of the people who were involved in the rescue operation. So yeah. Like mm, said, yeah, yeah those was- are really interesting. Actually, you know what? Um, this, this might sound out of left field, but I kid you not, this is actually really good. If you want a good movie on the side of like the, how do you say that? The responders mm-hmm. to a disaster, watch Shin Godzilla. Uh, like I know Godzilla like as mm-hmm. a figure, but I don't know this movie. Is it yeah, this- no, it's, it's really good. So Shin Godzilla, it's like, you know, you go into it and you think, oh, it's a Godzilla movie. But, like watch the whole thing and read up on the context behind it it is straight up about the tohoku earthquake oh yeah so like a lot of the imagery that um that film has has a lot to do with the 2011 earthquake and the way the government actually responds to that and the way a lot of people respond to it literally reflects what happened during the disaster in that they were super slow and super bureaucratic so it is like the most anti-government movie you could ever watch oh, sure. <laughs> oh, it's, wow. it's so interesting it yeah. is such an interesting movie yeah so maybe something like that out of this case oh who knows yeah wow the yeah. highest grossing japanese produced godzilla film in the franchise yeah man people loved it like it was actually politically relevant and mm-hmm. super japanese so oh man i don't know mm-hmm. that's a pretty good um disaster response movie mm-hmm. to watch and I mean, like, what you say with that one? Because mm. you said the perspective is much more like the government and like the people's, yeah, yeah, the people's yeah. responses to government. Mm. It feels mm. more like the everyday people who go and watch it, they have more like relation. Like, yeah, for sure. Relation to the characters. Yeah. And then with this one, it's like you watch it like, I mean. It, it's I very, it lot feels a lot more archetypical. Hero, you know like, I mean. look yeah, at this like, you hero. Know, hero does things. But it's yeah. like, not, you don't feel, I guess you don't necessarily yeah. the audience resonate too much with it because you're like, you see it's like a hero. You're like, wow. That's a right, remarkable yeah. thing that these people were able to do. Yeah, and you have to consider what's the target audience for this film, you know? Is it targeted towards um, Thai people or, like, Americans? Like, I don't know. But, yeah. Just um, in this film, go watch that Godzilla film. That actually, yeah, straight up. Yeah, listen to what Tracy said. Um, Shin Godzilla is a super good disaster response movie, so I'd suggest watching that. But if you also happen to have, like, an interesting angle on the 2018 case in Thailand... Or if you're actually like excited for this movie or have any thoughts on it, let us know on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. Welcome aboard to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. My name is Leisha, the executive producer of Asian Pop Nation. And we just played these three great Japanese tracks. First coming from Deep Sea Diving Club, we have the song titled Foolish Summer. We then also played the song titled Pure by Machiko before ending things off with a song titled Outsider by Atsuki Taketomo. And I love this description that our APNT member Tracy left behind of what this song exactly means because this description perfectly matches what we're going to be talking about next. So she describes it as a very upbeat song about how the internet is ruining the youth's capacity for human connection. And maybe you guys might also have this perspective, especially when we're going to be talking about AI idols existing in the K pop industry right now. If this intrigues you, even just a little bit, 
listen into our little deep dive segment right now. Historically, K-pop idols have been real bona fide people. Lately, though, we've had several idols that have debuted that are not real people, but actually AI idols. The most recent iteration of this phenomenon is the debut of a male group called Superkind. They debuted on June the 20th, around a month ago, with a song called Watch Out. And the thing about this group that is unique is that one of their members is actually an AI. They have four real human members, and the group was put together by a company called Deep Studio Entertainment. They actually formed the group around this AI member, Seijin. Seijin even has a fake profile. He was apparently born on March the 7th, 2002, and his hometown is Busan, South Korea. What makes Seijin interesting is he is treated very much like a real member. He actually dances with the other real members in the official choreography for their debut single, Watch Out, and also in some content outside of that comeback, such as a cover dance medley they had on One K. He also has a photo card, uh, actual lines, and a lot of screen time. And interestingly enough, I believe that he has more lines in their debut single than the actual human members. Wait, really? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, truly taking the full, like, I am the center of the group to a new level, I feel. <laughs> this is just so deeply, deeply wrong to me. I feel like watching this video and watching the rest of the content that I've been able to get my hands on, there's not a lot of content because this group has just debuted. I feel like it just feels incredibly wrong especially because Seijun is the center of the group. Imagine just training your whole life to be a K-pop star and then just being overshadowed by an AI. Okay, I thought you mentioned like off-air that you thought at least visually he looks like, okay. (laughs) I'm not saying you're visually attracted to him. You just visually looked like, okay, you know? Okay, bro, he looks... You can just enjoy the view as you watch the view. (laughs) Watch the music video. <laughs> you want me to get a photo card for you of Seijin Lee? How would they like record the music videos So Would they just leave a spot in the middle? Like- maybe. Or maybe they have like a dancer there, but they're like fully green in the suit or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're like in the suit. And then the secret member. The editors are like going to town getting Seijin on the center and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that. Is the case question mark? To be fair, they've not performed in like a music show at all. We've only really seen this group through special videos and stuff, which obviously means they have like their editors there doing the time crunch. But yes, I'm very curious for the non-K-pop people, I guess. What do you guys think about Seijin and this whole like concept? Do you have a particular opinion? I have the same thoughts of it being quite unfair to be outshone by an AI that literally <laughs> can be molded to whatever you want him to be. Like if they just wanted to change his looks tomorrow or, you know, how he sounds or how he moves. Yeah, it seems kind of unrealistic. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if realism <laughs> is where we were going here. Maybe it's meant to be like a fantasy. But yeah, I'm not sure like what kind of edge they're meant to have within the industry. I'm not too well versed in the K-pop industry. Like, is there? Is it because it's a novelty? K-pop loves a good gimmick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, the first thing that this reminded me of was Pink Fantasy. Pink Fantasy are a girl group where like one of their members always has a mask on. Oh, so there's oh my that God. sort of yeah. element of distance, and apparently it's like something that she wants for herself or something. Like Thea, or different. yeah, like she always just has like a bunny mask on. You know, originally <laughs> it was like, oh, when they get their first win, she'll remove their mask, and that was their gimmick. But later they were like, oh no, she doesn't want to remove her mask even if they get a first win. But the thing is that she's a real person, and she is also consistently the same person. Like she dances and she sings and I don't know if she sings actually but she's like an actual person (laughs) this on the other hand is not even a real person like they can pretty much get one person to do like dancing one person to do the singing and the the appearance of the AA member is obviously modeled off I think Cha Eun-woo and a few other like real K-pop. Yeah, people. I think Jaehyung from NCT as well. Question mark. Yeah. yeah, which is um okay. <laughs> um, slightly. I don't want to question the ethics of if, if I try to question the ethics of like everything to do with the K-pop industry. We'll be here for like the whole day. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to read out this comment I found on the debut MV, which is really funny but also kind of cursed. Mm-hmm. Guys, as much as I love Seijin. Make sure to give the other members love too. Seijin is the number one bias right now in K-profiles. And yes, he looks godly and ethereal, but don't forget he isn't real. The other members are human and have gone through so much hard work and effort to become idols. So don't let them be overshadowed by someone who doesn't even exist. Oh my god. Yeah, so it's just insane. I... I feel like we're in the worst timeline right now. This just makes me <laughs> want to curl up. First of all, it's really weird because um the other members are like A, less talked about and B, less central somehow to the group than mm-hmm. the fake member because this company actually wanted to debut this AI member as a solo artist, mm. but they ended up deciding to put him in a group and then they recruited trainees specifically to like be part of this group with this AI member. Uh-huh. So it's like a weird thing where your central AI member, Seijin, has like these humans like that are like accessories to him. Like yeah. it might be unfair to say that, but that kind of is how the, it feels at the moment. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right though. That definitely is how it like, even me finding out about this group in the first place, I w- they would just never been in my radar if not for like the whole talk of Seijin just existing and like every conversation that people are having about this group even the one they're having right now is purely about this AI member and not about the other members and it's kind of like I don't know like initially I thought the idea was kind of like oh this is kind of interesting stuff but then when it's actually properly like when it's executed like this it's like I feel like it won't be long until maybe some of these members start leaving the group and stuff because they're definitely not, they're not going to get any like recognition and stuff, you know? I don't know. Yeah, like one of the side effects of making Seijin so um, good looking is that the comments in the video say that he 
overshadows the other members in the looks department. Oh, which oh, is no. like he would never get a pimple ever. He would. Yeah. He, he would. He'll never get any. Like, he won't get wrinkles. No dark So like by design, the other members will always not quite measure up to him mm-hmm. in that sort of department because they are actual real people and not generated by a software. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is so deeply cursed. <laughs> hello, hello, and welcome to Asian Pop Nation, the ultimate sin stop for all things Asian pop culture related music content and just so much more honestly my name is Leisha and we're gonna be talking to all these three songs that you heard just now starting first with the song titled copycat by aping's new subunit called chobom we also have a double whammy and what i mean by that is the titles of these next two songs are the complete same starting first with the song titled fragile by apro featuring yura and ph1 and we also have another song, which is also called Fragile, which is sung by Lao Fei from their new single, Dear Soulmate. Now, if you're listening to our show a little bit earlier, you knew that we were right in the middle of our discussion behind AI idols existing in the K-pop industry, and we're definitely not stopping the discussion anytime soon. So let's get back into the AI world, I guess, right now. I'm curious though, just like putting this question just out there, I guess. Are we, I don't know, are people opposed to this idea of AI idols kind of like existing in general? Or do you see them like they have a space in the industry, but maybe have the whole groupy AI or maybe do like an ESPA thing where they're kind of really there as like a, like a, bonus little background information about the group or just fun marketing tactics you know where do you guys fit with just ai existing in the cable industry okay um i think the main thing that sets this apart that sets this apart from espa is that with espa like you said it's like a fun little bonus thing mm-hmm. it's like fun law it's like how when exo debuted their law was that they were aliens powers. from another planet and they planet. all had superpowers and they would have to like demonstrate their powers on live television like yeah. was it kai was teleportation right yes yes <laughs> <laughs> when they even did super m i was so shocked that his like power thing kind of came back because i honestly thought they just threw that whole concept out after a few years of existing as a group but you know yeah and i mean so- they came back in like their power mv right and who was a member whose power was like he'd stomp the ground and everyone would like jump up like, oh as if he stomped it really hard who was that this is like cursed memory that you guys just unlocked <laughs> Yeah, I forgot, well, Lee, you right. were a big EXO fan yeah, in high school. Beautiful, <laughs> because you could tell they all absolutely hated it, <laughs> but they all just played along because they knew how humiliating it was, I guess. <laughs> so they just kept on being asked to like, demonstrate their superpowers. Uh, yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> Esper's thing seems like similar in that it's like a fun thing to make the group more interesting. But it's mm. not like, in terms of the actual fandom, I don't think anyone's going to become a fan of EXO because of their superhero concepts. They're going to become maybe a fan of EXO because 
of how much they hate their superhero concept, maybe. <laughs> and like but, the actual yeah. like members themselves. It's always just being like, oh, this power yes. thing. It's kind of funny. It's kind of silly. It's like a fun side thing. And then with Espa as well, it's like, I do not hear a single person being like, oh, um, I like Karina, but only like her eye persona version. I, Karina, their virtual avatars. They're just there as like a fun little marketing gimmick. And they're not, again, being treated like, full-fledged like members who sing and dance and have their own songs and stuff like that it's Espa the girls themselves who have all of that you know it's like what is it it's just like a way for them to have their groups like stand out from the rest of them but I feel like having a actual full-fledged AI idol next to like all these not AI members it's like it's just crossing something it's crossing a line somewhere I don't know yeah I feel like they sort of misunderstanding why the majority of people will become fans of a group mm. like in their mind they're like oh people become fans of a group because they're physically attracted to the members and in awe of like their singing and dancing skills or whatever mm-hmm. but and also I guess music is an important factor but I don't know for me personally at least I don't really think that's the crux of it at all for me to actually want to like follow and support a group I have to be able to relate to them in some way mm-hmm. so like I have to like see them as real people <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know people like to study the dynamics between members right they like mm. to be like oh these two people are like I don't know an old married couple this person is like a beleaguered mum figure these two are like college gamer boys who eat Doritos and drink Gatorade you know like they like to study the dynamics between members in the group mm-hmm. and groups like say um 17 I feel like one of the big reasons they got popular is they have a really good reality show which showcases the dynamics between the members really well and you don't get any of that if you don't have real members. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, 100% agree with what you say. Yeah, because I, I feel like, okay, I feel like they're going it on the angle of like, I guess, you know, some people, even though these idols and everything, yes, they're real and stuff like that. I feel like K-pop is a lot about keeping things very, like, squeaky clean striving for like perfection per se and maybe for them they think like oh seijin as like an ai like works in this industry because everything is so like perfect and like i guess meticulous but again it's like completely missing on all the like human aspects Mm -hmm. of why people like members and stuff like that i've seen certain people like I don't know members like Johnny from NCT and stuff like that because there's viral clips and stuff of them like I don't know describe it they're just like they're just being out of quote-unquote character from just dance just dancing and stuff like that and that's how people develop their interests in certain idols people love it when like their idols are like weird and unpolished at least for international fans, a lot of like the English speaking members or like the members who they're considered like foreign members because I don't know, they interact because more with like internet slang and whatnot and people like all those little quote unquote imperfection aspects. I don't know. Yeah, and I think it's also because it's more easy to develop parasocial attachment to people who you can actually imagine like meeting in your geography class. Mm-hmm. I think people also look to 
like a big draw of groups is that they model friendships that maybe people are lacking in their real life. Mm. So they derive enjoyment through observing the way that their idols care for each other and they're like friends with each other. Like it gives them warm, fuzzy feelings. And yeah, that human aspect of K-pop is something that does not work at all in the context of AI Mm-hmm. Idols. I guess yeah. at the end of the day, like this whole conversation, I mean, we can go like on and on about it because it's again, it's in while we are kind of terrified about this new reality that we're in with AI um capo idols kind of um being more and more of a thing, it is at the end of the day a very, very interesting um conversation that I don't know, maybe you, the listener. Um, have your own opinions and stuff like that. And Tracy, where can they go to tell us about any of their opinions or whatnot about this very interesting genre? Not some genre, like just interesting world. Development? Of- yeah. <laughs> well, Leisha, they can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Asian Puff Nation. Beep, beep, boop, bop. I'm a beep, robot. <laughs> Hey, you're tuning in to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. My name is Leisha and let's do a little rewind talking through these three songs that we played just now. Starting first with the song titled Don't Get the Deal by Biba Doobie from her latest album Beatopia. We also then played the song titled Healing House by Pum Vum Purit before ending things off with a song titled Mercury by Steve Lacey, which... Tracy, one of our APNT members, notes as an incredible song. So take her word for it, honestly. She's a music legend, if I do say so myself. But yes, speaking of legends, if you will, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm not the anime connoisseur. I think I am. We're going to be, as I mentioned, talking a little bit about anime this time, but specifically about the Smash anime convention, which by now would have already happened in Sydney, but as we're pre-recording this, it was approaching and we wanted to talk a little bit about it and the interesting shift that's happening with anime conventions in general. And yeah, I will let the anime experts take it from here. Okay, have you heard anything called Crunchyroll? Oh, what the hell, that's a wrong convention. Never mind, wrong. that's coming out later though. Like, we got a new convention slash old convention that came out back in 2019 called Smash. And no, it's not the Smash Bros. tournament. I still waiting for that Nintendo get it out already. But no, this is the thing called anime convention called Smash. And by the time this airs anyway on on radio station, it's already happened anyway. So yeah, it's already happened over this weekend, which is back from July 16th to 17th. We go around that time. But yeah, if you haven't heard about Smash, then trust me, I never heard about it until recently. Uh, Smash is an anime convention where you have a bunch of VTubers, YouTubers, cosplayers, and Kevin Penkin. That's what I'm going to say. What's a VTuber? A VTuber is basically someone who has rigged up an anime model um, to their face so they can basically um, do like motion capture work live and they normally stream on like Twitch or YouTube um, and they usually do games or collabs. Um, yeah, so what I think is interesting, so they've gotten two Hololive members. So Hololive is like a, like a VTuber agency and I think it's really interesting because they picked the two VTubers who are actually Australian as well. Um, so I'm very interested to see how that um, kind of fares with an Australian audience. Aaron, what do you think about Smash? Were you, would you have gone? Uh, if it was a Smash Bros. tournament, heck yes, I will go if it was a Smash Bros. tournament, but it's not a Smash Bros. tournament. But I'll still go because A, the Trash Taste boys are there. So then, God, if you don't know who Trash Boys are, wait, Trash 
my trash taste. Uh, they are a YouTuber slash podcast team that actually uh, talk about anime and anything related in Japan culture, if not outside of Japan, and also their personal lives as well. If you haven't checked them out, please do so. Also check their individual channels as well. Where's the corner? But other than that, Kevin Pankin. That's enough said about Kevin Pankin. He's Australian. Kevin Pankin is really good. What's your favorite uh, music from him? Made in Abyss. Oh, yeah. Made in Abyss. Mostly the second movie. Oh, my God. Oh, the second. Oh, my God. The movie. Dawn of the Deep Soul. That was my personal favorite of his. Not too familiar with all of Kevin Pankin's work. I know he's done one of the episodes for the Star Wars Visions, um, which I thought was also really good as well. I just think it's really cool that we have um, such strong Australian representation in the anime industry because he is quite a prolific um, anime composer. And I really like that he's um, back in Australia to do this convention as well. Oh, uh, I mean, I've only ever heard his music from Made in Abyss. Oh my gosh. Oh, man. Um, I, the same with Aaron. I really loved um, his, the soundtrack in the film. Um, particularly, I think, The Return of Made in Abyss. That one was really nice. Uh, I can't wait for season two. I'm sure there's going to be some more great music. It's already airing right now. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I have to wait till it's over so that I can binge watch it. <laughs> How long is it? Do you know? Is it going to be 12 episodes? Uh, we're still not sure yet. I mean, because I think it's going to catch up to the source material by the time the show's finished airing, I think. Oh, no. Damn. Again, it's a long time since we're still waiting for the source material end, but it's unlikely anyway. But yes, made best. Kevin Penkin. Kevin Penkin. Why doesn't he come down for Crunchyroll? <laughs> Well, he got nominated for best. Well, he did win best soundtrack for the Crunchyroll Award for uh, Tower of God. So there's that. Yeah, but I guess maybe we still don't have the entire guest list for the Crunchyroll Expo in September. So mm-hmm. we might have some luck there. Aaron, besides so besides Kevin Penkin, there's obviously a lot of um, guests uh, for this convention that don't necessarily work. Um, inside the production aspect of anime. So we have a lot of YouTubers, um, a lot of cosplayers, for example. Uh, is that something that you've noticed more recently as well, or has this always been that way? For the cosplays and stuff? Yeah, so like bigger focus on like secondary um, anime influences, I guess. They do appear a lot, especially when uh, back in ComCon this year, there also appeared, there was a lot more cosplay there as usual. But again, that's just a general thing. But with anime conventions, I think. Not really, no. This is actually something that's starting to pop up recently now, anyway. Wait, I have a question as a, I guess, non-anime person here. I'm just curious, like, I guess for you guys, when you see a guest list and it's primarily, like, I guess in this case, where it's primarily VTubers, YouTubers, cosplayers, and then um, a single composer, and he sounds fantastic, by the way. Um, Like, what, what do you guys think? Does that, like, compel you to want to go or are you like oh no i wish they had more like like ethan how you phrase it um like people who yeah. are who are in i guess in the production aspect of the anime industry instead of like i guess content creators who make content around like anime and stuff like that i don't know i think it's usually a balance right with conventions like you want a good mix of industry professionals uh, but also people who have really shaped the fandom um because i know and i know leisha you'll have something to say about this, that oh. next month we actually have the Hallyu Pop Fest, um, which is all industry professionals. They're all, um, you know, K-pop idols, but I don't believe there's any, um, like, secondary influences. Like, there's no, like, YouTubers about K-pop or there's no... I don't even think the stalls are there. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, but I, I feel like 
Oh, K-pop is like a little bit different because I, I mean, I obviously know that there's a lot of K-pop um, YouTubers out there, but I feel like those YouTubers they stay in the realm of like oh, reacting to K-pop music videos and stuff like that. And I, they, to me, I don't see them in the same way as anime YouTubers. I don't know, like they're not, they're. I feel like they're both not viewed in like the same manner. So it's not so much of like a lost cause if there's no like K-pop YouTubers that's gonna be at the like Hollywood Pop Fest because at the end of the day, Hollywood when it comes to K-pop festivals in particular, everyone is mainly there for the artists that are gonna be there and stuff like that. But I don't know. But I feel like even with because a big part of conventions is having like stalls, right? So like you walk down the the mm-hmm. whole convention and the like stuff. Don't you think that K-pop uh, like fan accounts on Twitter, like the ones that like you know take photos of idols and then like you know make their own merch and stuff? Like, do mm-hmm. you think that that also shapes their fandom the way that like fan artists on in anime would as well? Because mm-hmm. when I heard that there was a K-pop festival, I legitimately thought there would be like like people that would like set up their stores and sell photos and like you know you know those cup holder things yes yes <laughs> yeah like and those kind of stuff mm-hmm. and but there... i was surprised that they don't have that yeah oh i guess you're right too and then there is like a trend as well at least i see online on t- on like tiktok and stuff where um people make photo cards with like little mm. cute designs like, yeah i guess those not really being present in a k-pop festival is kind of like a like not great whereas i know like yeah the anime conventions they got like this, to me, the mm. stalls are like the biggest highlight for me personally. If I was to go to anime convention, because I think anime, like fan art in particular, the fan art community is very like, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're they're big. I don't know, but yeah, because the, the anime fandom is a huge driving factor in anime, like in general, like especially in the West as well. So it would make sense for them to focus on the community aspect of it. Um, yeah, but it's kind of a shame they don't do that with K-pop as much in I- the conventions. I think a big part of this is the fact that um, I feel like a lot of anime conventions, they start um, via the fans. Like, they they start as maybe small conventions organized by fans, and then they get bigger and bigger. Mm. Um, and that's, like, it's, like, in the mold of, say, like, Comic-Con, where, like, it's technically um, organized by enthusiasts, I guess. Well, it originally was, anyway. Or, like, um, let's say VidCon, where, like, it was, like, organized by fans of youtubers whereas with k-pop it's very much um organized by the k-pop companies um so it's more like how can we promote our groups um yeah and also a big part of like um selling art at conventions is that um companies tend to look the other way when it comes to copyright because i think a lot of the time depending on what country you're in like it's not like it's a sort of a legal gray zone whereas Mm -hmm. i think k-pop companies are more likely to be more militant about that question mark but yeah it's just like the backgrounds um behind the way the conventions were started is different Mm. that makes sense yeah like k-pop is like a meet and greet event slash concert at k-pop conventions like k-pop for example is all about like going to the big concert in a big stadium full of like other fans cheering along whereas comic con it's more about meeting other fans and like anime con smash con it's about meeting other fans and like buying fan works it's more of a focus on the community yeah. yes exactly you articulated it so much better than i could ever so thank you tracy <laughs> that's it smash still not smashed on it i still want that one day but never gonna happen again since 2014 sad but doesn't matter anyhow thanks for listening for today's episode if you want you are you guys going to smash well the anime convention anyway if you will, please tell us what you think about it and how honestly 
what's your expectation about this? If so, who'd you meet? Who'd you greet? Say hi to everyone else if you're there. Anyhow, thanks for telling. Yeah. If you want to tell us all about that stuff, make sure you tell us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you follow us as well if you get the chance. If not, then at least give us a message about that. Anyhow, stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask if you can. And remember, have a good day. Hello to all the night owls listening right now on Asian Pop Nation. It's me, Alicia here. And before we hop right into our topic, the final one, by the way, let's talk to the three songs that we played just now. Starting first with the song titled Dead by Cesare featuring Young Kako, a really fun Singaporean-Filipino collaboration, which can also be heard from his new album titled Violets Aren't Blue. We then also played a new song coming from Singaporean artist Ari K with their song titled You and Me. And by the way, their debut album All We Have does come out on 19th of August, so mark that on your calendar. We then lastly played the song Dragging by Filipino-Australian artist Dane. And next up, we are going to be dragging, if you will, a live-action anime adaptation which was just announced by the Duffer Brothers, of all people. If you don't know who they are, or maybe this whole thing has you a bit confused, don't worry. Asian Pop Nation will explain it to you right now. So this wouldn't be an Asian Pop Nation show without another live-action anime announcement. So after the massive conclusion to season four of Stranger Things, the creators Matt and Ross Duffer, also known as the Duffer Brothers, the Duffer Bros, announced in July through Netflix social media accounts of their latest production company called Upside Down Pictures that they were going to make another Death Note live action series. Yay! Yay. Just what we needed. <laughs> yeah. I, for one, am so excited because I have zero attachment to the anime, but... Yes. What what do y'all think in general? Yeah, I mean, can it get any worse? <laughs> it's my like, how can it get better? How can it become something where we actually like to watch it? Well, first they will have to not name the main character Light Turner. <laughs> <laughs> do you think it needs to be set in Japan or with a Japanese cast? I doubt there would be like a full Japanese but just I feel like they should just keep to the original story as much as possible um yeah I didn't watch the the, the death note that must not be named in <laughs> the thing the, the 2017 Netflix film adaptation yes um, which I too know it's also very infamous, even as someone who doesn't even want Emma. It's just like, I just, like, the critics and fans, people are very harsh about it. And I mean, I guess based on everyone's reaction here to this news, um, they were rightfully so to have very much negative comments about that 2017 film. But apparently the Duffer Bros said that this new version that they're planning to do is a entirely new take to the series. Now, whether that means like a new take away from that 2017 film or just like a new take entirely of like the original anime and manga series, we don't know, but... It's the former. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know, what do you guys think? I mean, what do you, any of you know about, I guess, the Duffer Bros direction style or whatever? Do you think it suits 
um, the Death Note world, or do you see it for like another anime or like a manga series? No. I'm just wondering with the Duffer Brothers. I've only watched maybe like the first three quarters of the f- season one of Stranger Things, but I can't really think of anything distinct about their direction. Anything you know how Tarantino has a certain style and you know. Um, Quentin Tarantino has his own unique style because he's Quentin Tarantino. That's it. Yeah, but like with the Duffer Brothers, I, I'm not sure. If for example, Lee, you've seen a lot more of Stranger Things. Do you feel like there's something about their direction that you could see working with Death Note, or is it just like so wrapped up in Stranger Things that it's hard to s- separate their direction style from the '80s and <laughs> teenage kids on bicycles? Yeah, I was. That's mm. what I was gonna say. Like the only thing I. Obviously, I'm not a uh, like a film critic or anything, but just thinking of just like the Duffer Bros, oh, the Duffer Brothers, they should have poisoned my mind. Um, I just think of like eighties uh, children, like I can't really think, like because Death Note is set in Japan and like it's not the eighties. I just don't know how they would direct, like where the direction would go with Death Note. But I am not, yeah. I mean, could be good, could be bad. I mean, the Duffer Brothers made Stranger Things, and mm. with the history behind it, well, they have the ambitions to make Death Note, which is going to be interesting, nonetheless. I mean, they have their own like production company for this one called The Upside Down, so there's that. But if this thing, but if they manage to do this right, I think this could be either a, a like a groundbreaking show. That's based on the social drama. Either A would love or B without like the Keras up, like the Resident Evil Netflix series example. That wasn't good. But or option two point B, it's just gonna be meh. It won't be good, it won't be bad, it's just meh. Yeah, I just can't see it being worse than the 2017 one. Um, and also the Duffer Brothers have, yeah, like you said, made Stranger Things, which is very popular, obviously. Um yeah, I don't. I don't think it will turn out terrible. Maybe, but oh, we'll see. I just yeah. Imagine they had the twenty seventeen cast as cameos for this one. Oh. Maybe it's just based on. Maybe. Uh, nah. <laughs> I based on a sequel wait. to the twenty seventeen. I mean, they have William Dafoe, didn't they? That was yeah. the only thing good about that movie was, was him. <laughs> that was the only thing good. Everything else can be just chucked in the bin. William Dafoe. The same grace of the movie didn't even save the movie. Mm. Wait, was Willem Dafoe in the Death Note? Yeah, he's yeah. Ryuk. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> so, yeah, is this new I never watched the live action. I've just like seen pictures, didn't care about it until now. Yeah, it makes it better. I, it makes it better. I went a full on rant with one of my classmates back in high school, and we went a full on rant for 20 minutes. Like I said, the show is better than the movie and all that stuff. Oh my god. Wait, yeah. wait. So you had like an argument that, but wait, was it because they liked the film that twenty seventeen one? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, yeah. And also, what's wrong? Oh no, I was like a fan. I've never heard of a fan until today of that no, twenty seventeen. Because he never seen the TV show. Oh. I've seen the TV show, but I've never watched the movie until I would say probably three months when the movie was released as Netflix. I was like, fine, I'll watch it. And then like soon I watch it, it's like this is still terrible. And we managed to watch the TV show. And you know what he said? This was meh. The it was, t- it the was t- meh. Yeah, the anime. Yes, it was what? meh. 
Oh, the, how Netflix had poisoned their minds. <laughs> the only thing good he liked was the recap movies. That's it. And he still said it was meh. Are you still friends with this person? Oh, yeah. I still talk to him, sadly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. well, we both agreed on one thing, though. The first, we both agreed on this. The very first live action Japanese movie of Death Note. We actually quite enjoyed it a lot. But is there any, like, anime or manga that you think would be good as a live action adaptation in the West? I want to say Full Moon Alchemist. That's what I'm going to say. Because again, it, can we no see? Jap- can everyone see that? I'm not sure who has seen or I, read Full Metal. I have Alchemist. seen it, but like, how would they do the alchemy stuff? You know, as oh, a live action. Mm, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. Well, Isn't no, Full Metal Alchemist like really loved as well? Like, it's always the top anime that every anime fan loves. Yeah, it's like both the original and Brotherhood is regarded as one of the greatest, if not one of the most critically acclaimed shows of all time, and manga as well. Yep. It could look a live action, if not. Ooh, I could probably say Gundam, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah Gundam it could be like work. a Pacific Rim style. I mean, Pacific yeah. Rim was based off like a lot of the Gundam anime, aren't they? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah the kaiju's and especially humans inside of the ball, the mech's body, and stuff like that. What about a nice rom com, anime rom com adaptation? I have the one just for you, Alicia. Yes, <laughs> say it. Don't say for um, I think it's called uh, Wake Up Sleeping Beauty. I think I mentioned it before, but it's one of those things. I was thinking about it on the train a couple of days ago. I don't know why um, <laughs> about it potentially being a good, I think, adaptation that doesn't necessarily need to be set in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, like it would be nice, but I could see that there isn't really much cultural aspects unique to Japan mm-hmm. that's set in it. Yeah. You could just like transplant it with into yeah. some other like suburban neighborhood in America. I- there's like this mysterious mansion on the top of the hill. Um, oh God! And some girl that lives there that no one's really talked to. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's like it'd be a cute, a cute romance if anyone picks it up. But I don't think it's popular enough for anyone oh. to really <laughs> want to adapt it. Does I feel like the rom com ones are like the easiest ones? I feel that yeah, because be you don't adapted. have like the god of death. <laughs> yeah. You don't <laughs> have the marble budget. Can kill you, but marble budget exactly. One and also, like I just also like rom com as a whole genre. It's not doing so hot at the moment in Hollywood. I will, I want a full revival, revival early to that. What happened? Wait, have you seen one recently, Leisha? No, just it's just out? like I just hear a lot of people saying how they like. Oh, we miss like the the two thousands rom com era, rom com movies era. We're like it's dying, blah blah blah. All of it's not good. I don't know. Just general. Yeah, everyone always selectively thinks like previous films were always better. Do people it's forget that in the two thousands? Like every single f- like movie poster was just like two people leaning against each other. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then there'll be like a dance, like a dancing at the very end in the credits, it's like the Scooby Doo movies. Sorry, that was a bad reference, but yeah. Scooby Doo. I actually like those. Yeah. No good. I think movies the- should end with dance sequences again. You see exactly. This is what. Note. Bring it back. Definitely oh, bring no, no, back. No, no, no. I want to see the whole dance cast. note. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> No, so when no, they no. dance to kill someone. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. So listener, if you have an opinion about the upcoming Death Note uh, live action by the Duffer Brothers, feel free to leave a comment at Asian Pop Nation on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Hello to all of our listeners listening to Asian Pop Nation right now. Whether you are a live on air listener or you are a podcast listener, hello everyone. We appreciate all of you guys. Before we get into a little roundup moment, because we are approaching the end of our show, let's talk through the last three songs that we just played. We first played a song titled "Number" by Mitsume. Before moving along, we're playing the song titled "Mystery Train" by Helsinki Labda Club, featuring Wes Atlas. And finally, we played a new track to come all the way from Malaysia. We have this song titled "Passenger Seat" by Noel Ng, featuring NC Rice. A very nice, I feel, nice driving song to play. Maybe some of you guys are on commute at the moment, and if you are, drive safe. And yeah, and it's a perfect song to. Slowly come to the acceptance that we are in the end of our show tonight. I know. Let's let's wipe our tears together, guys, and let's talk through everything that we discuss on this week's show. We firstly had a fantastic interview with local the neighbor, a really really brilliant local artist that you guys definitely should keep on your radar. We also have plenty of discussions regarding Lo-Fi Girl, AI idols in the K-pop industry. The Smash anime convention that happened in Sydney, and just so much more. Honestly, I would love to constantly be here recapping. But again, we are reaching the end of our show, and we just like to say thank you so much for listening to our show and joining not just myself, Alicia here, but also our team tonight of Lee, Tracy, Zenia, Aaron, JP, and Ethan. And before we say our goodbyes, we're gonna be playing one last song. Coming in all the way from Singapore, we have the song titled "Trade My Heart" by Charlie Lim and Kenyanya. Remember, you can always follow us on Asian Pop Nation through our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Asian Pop Nation. And you can always listen to our podcast shows through Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts on Asian Pop Nation Podcast. That is our name on on podcast platform forms. Clearly, I'm still a bit rusty when it comes to talking with you guys. But again, thank you so much for listening to our show today, and good night.